0: Hello all, welcome to the Cricket with the West Coast infields preview of the much-anticipated 2023 World Test Championship Final. Today it is just Ram and me, Vasanth, with Vijay being away on some important assignments. The 2021-2023 cycle started with the Pataudi Trophy in the summer of 21, with India starting off in a sparkling fashion, and then over the course of the next year, Australia, by virtue of their consistent performances, took over the mantle of the front runner. There were a few other contenders at various points of time during the cycle. In fact, some teams remained in the running for a spot in the final until the last few games. So much so that the second finalist was only categorically confirmed in the final overs of the penultimate test of the cycle when New Zealand squeaked past Sri Lanka in that magnificent finish at Tauranga. Not bad at all for a two-year cycle which started in the summer of 2021. How did it play out? There were 69 tests in the league phase, with each of the nine teams playing six series, which also meant that we saw a lot of two test series. This time though, all the matches were played, unlike in the previous cycle, when several teams did not play some series or the other, citing a variety of reasons. We had a new point system where each test carried the same number of points as opposed to the last time, when the points at stake for tests in short series was much more than those in the longer series. The model of having points for each test individually ensures that there are no dead games, at least for most part. The home teams won 38 of the matches played, while the away teams won 19. Only 12 were draws, and many of them weather-affected. Even though there were 19 away wins, the visiting teams were really not competitive, as many of those wins were either in Bangladesh or against a Pakistan team hobbled by atrocious wickets. India won 5 of their 10 away games, which is Quite commendable, given that included three wins in Sena environments and one very tight finish in Mirpur. All that said, arguably only the Patodi Trophy series and the BGT series were the ones that were truly contested. The England win in Pakistan had a couple of tight games, and there was that brilliant finish at the Hagley Oval when New Zealand beat Sri Lanka. By and large, however, there were very few surprises in away games. The outliers themselves were driven by pieces of individual brilliance like Rabada and Co. in England and New Zealand and Abadath in New Zealand. Your thoughts, Ram? The the Pataudi series was such a fantastic
1: way to kick off at the WTC 2.0. They were unlucky to miss out winning the Trent Bridge test with the final day getting completely washed out. Rather reminiscent of the famous Chennai test of 2004, against Australia, where the final day got washed out and left us with this, what might have been a feeling at the end, India very much in the driver's seat to perhaps win. So some analogies there. I thought South Africa did well to sort of stay in the race right until the very end when their away series against the Australians, which they unfortunately lost. But, you know, they could have still kind of squeaked through if they got some favorable results coming out of the New Zealand versus Sri Lanka series. So they hung in there for a really, really long time. They also did really well to finish ahead of England in the final points table, you know, especially considering how much England ramped up their game sort of mid-season, you know, with the appointment of Landon McCullum as coach and Ben Stokes as captain. They had a very, very ordinary series prior to that. I mean, it gives me great pride to say that they didn't do particularly well against India at home. But again, they then went to Australia for the Ashes. They lost 0-4 with one drawn game, I think it was. So they didn't start with the initial momentum particularly well. And I think that put them on the back foot, and they could actually never really catch up. If you really look at it, it's only India that has been playing consistently over the course of four years now, considering that they've now qualified for their second final for the WTC. So I think all in all, It's been a a very fruitful series here. The WTC, uh, despite all the vagaries and the schedules and the uneven number of games, has been riveting in many different ways. There have, of course, been some murmurs of discontent particularly around, you know, length of series. Some play two games against each other. The Ashes are always going to be five games. England and and India have now decided that they're going to play five games against each, uh, both at home and away. Same with Australia. So clearly, the big three, in a sense, are pulling away. And these seem to be mostly commercial decisions than anything else. I think the other consideration here, of course, is the fact that only nine Of the 12, you know, full test playing nations actually figure, which really means that Ireland, Zimbabwe, Afghanistan aren't going to get to participate in the World uh, Series anytime in the near future. They aren't going to show up at WTC 3.0 either. So yeah, I think there is some element of questions around whether the quality of cricket would dip if we allowed any of these teams in. But again, one looks at West Indies' record or Bangladesh's record, they haven't set the house on, on fire either. So that, that is kind of like how, you know, my own initial summary on how this really looks like. Once the cycle is over, I'm actually very much looking forward to the next cycle as well. India will be hosting England for five games, Bangladesh and New Zealand. And of course, India will be touring Australia, West Indies and South Africa, which means they don't get to play with either Sri Lanka or Pakistan, which frankly should not surprise any of us.
0: Wasn't? In fact, the big three are playing fighter seas against each other. We are going to see five tests in Australia coming, I think, early 2024, which means both Brisbane and Perth will see matches. But yes, the next cycle should be very interesting. So, anyway, before we get to the next cycle, let's see what was the pathway to the 2023 final. As everyone knows, the final is going to be played at the home of Surrey Cricket Club, namely the Kia Oval, in London, from June 7th onwards. India has once again made it to the final, as you mentioned, Ram. This is now four years of consistent performances. But this time around, they will be facing the other antipodean team, Australia. Now, it is interesting that Australia should have been the finalist last time around also, but for the fact that they were docked points for slow over rates, which yeah, allowed New Zealand to get through. Need as right, right? Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so, before we go to the records of the two, let's take a quick peek at some of the teams who fell short. Ram, you've already referred to a few. The defending champions, New Zealand, started off very well, actually. They took points of India in India, which is not a mean feat. At that all. heroic standoff by a certain Patel and a certain Ravindra against another Patel and another Ravindra was not lost on most people. However, the struggles in home tests for New Zealand continued. They lost a game to Bangladesh. Largely a third innings collapse, thanks to Eberdutt, who took a 5 for or a 6-4 or something like that. Incidentally, there is the only test Bangladesh has won in four years. And then Rabada derailed them in one game. Nice. You lose games at home, you're in trouble. And that actually set them on their way to an early elimination in the race to the final. England was terrible in the first half, as you pointed out. They struggled to keep pace with India at home, and that should have been 3 1, not 2 1. That first test in Trent Bridge, India just needed 150 runs with 9 wickets in hand. That should have been a cakewalk. Then England got routed by Australia away. In fact, it should have been 0 5, but for the fact that they somehow hung around with one wicket to go and saved one game. I think it was at Sydney. Then the Stokes McCallum duo took over operations, and they just became a force. Thanks to the way they've been playing, everybody seems to think that they are the best team going around. I'm not so sure. We also saw how Harry Brooke batted in India, in the IPL. The same Harry Brooke who beat the leather of the ball in Pakistan and in New Zealand. So playing India in India is tough. And then playing against our bowlers in India is nearly impossible. Which is why the Australian performance stands out.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: The South Africans kept themselves in the hunt thanks to their quicks taking down New Zealand away, then warding off the challenge from India at home. In fact, they had a 6-1-0 record at home. The only loss was thanks to that 100 by KL Rahul on day one at Centurion. So that's what kept their qualification hopes alive until they were blown away by the basketball storm, although they won one of the tests, and then by the Aussies in their second away series. Sri Lanka remained in the fray. Essentially, they cashed in on Matches against Bangladesh and West Indies, which are effectively free points. But the requirement to sweep the New Zealanders away in the last series was a little too much for them. Exactly. Yeah. Pakistan was my big, big disappointment in this cycle. The schedule was extremely favorable to them. All their tough matches, if you will, against England, Australia and New Zealand were home games. But some very ill-advised and defensive moves to lay out some dead pitches. Yeah. means they finished an astonishing 0-4-4 record at home. This is atrocious. In fact, the pre-cycle predictions were that Pakistan would likely make the final because of this favorable schedule. The next time around, it's not going to be easy because they're going to play away in England, in Australia, and New Zealand, and things will be much tougher for them. Ram, Absolutely. your thoughts on those who did not make it? Pakistan, for sure, I mean,
1: stands out. I, I actually feel sorry for them. They should have beaten Australia at home. They should have beaten England at home. And they ended up losing both series. The one that they lost to England was particularly bad, right? A 3-0 mm-hmm. route with Harry Brooke on debut, making 468 runs in that series had an average of 93. That's just mind-blowingly good. And Joe Root, if you remember, had a particularly bad series. He made only 120 runs or something across uh, all of the tests. But baseball was you know, at its best in that series. You know, players striking at 100 plus, and this guy, Ben Duckett, basically established himself as the opener they could not drop, while Zach Crowley still hangs around, played the game against Ireland last week as well, funnily enough. But that was a series where it almost felt like Pakistan decided they did not trust their bowlers, be it fast bowlers or spinners, and they simply decided they'll just lay out highways for the series and then the english team they just simply cashed in i think that's mm-hmm. kind of what i attributed to baba azam was good in that series i think he made around 400 runs but simply couldn't do enough to inspire his team across the
0: line i'm with you there all they needed to do is put slow turners like they have done in the past and exactly. their spinners would have taken down england England did not have the spin strength and I don't think they are able to play quality spin. And it's not like Pakistan didn't have the players. They could have even brought back that leg spinner, the guy who got 200 wickets faster. He would have run through these guys on a wicket that even gave him a little bit of assistance. It's, it's sad. It's sad how they essentially wanted to avoid defeat in front of their own Crowns leading to this Moves. state of affairs
1: yeah. yeah that finally cost them a series against england definitely and all, i mean arguably also against australia though australia did produce a fantastic game the one that they won a little earlier but yeah i think all in all i feel bad for for pakistan making it to the final was very much in their control England, of course, suffered because of the ashes and the fact that they played bad against India. They did come back. They, they won the fifth test despite India scoring 400-plus in the first innings. Classic basketball stuff. But but yeah, it was too late. So let's see what they do in WTC 3.0, which actually starts off on the 16th of June, right? Just a couple of weeks. One week after this test gets over. So in terms of the standout players, for who who do you want to call out in terms of players who did extremely well.
0: Yeah, among the contenders, I mean, let's talk about Australia and India separately, but I thought Jorud, the batsman, was brilliant. I don't know. Did he score almost 2,000 runs, right? Yeah, 1, uh, runs I mean, yeah. He had issues with leading a team that seemed to struggle. Now, whether it was him or the nature of the team back then, we don't know. But 2,000 runs is a lot. <laughs> Babar you mentioned. I think he's a terrific batsman. But he alone can't win games for them. Johnny B, fantastic performance after the arrival of basketball. And I thought that he was the batsman of the season, or at least for the last year. Now, another was Kane Williamson. Nobody noticed him scoring runs. <laughs> but he did. He scored a lot of runs and very critical runs. Do you remember that wonderful 80 or something he made to win the test? That was absolute guts in Hagley Oval. Kagiso Rabada, whom just last week we panned for his terrible performance in the IPL, Mm -hmm. was the best bowler in the WTC cycle. He may not have had the most number of wickets, but he was virtually unplayable through the cycle. And along with all his support cast, these guys took down a lot of oppositions. Then we have Jimmy the Great.
1: You absolutely. Uh,
0: he is just unbelievable as a bowler. And he keeps on going. The energizer bunny of world test cricket. And then Shaheen Shah Freedy, from what I recall, he was the highest wicket taker after the first like six months. Mm. And then the injuries and the mismanagement and the attempts to make him fit for some World Cup effectively meant he was not playing many tests. That cost Pakistan a lot. And then, of course, the two South Island-born New Zealanders
1: Absolutely.
0: who changed the game for England, Ben Stokes and Baz McCallum.
1: Yeah, they, they, yeah, they need a shout-out, definitely.
0: Yeah. Who else do you think? I think uh, the one name that
1: I want to mention is that of Lytton Das okay. from Bangladesh, 1,000-plus runs. He stood out. With the bat, I thought, I mean, amongst the names that I heard you catch, I think that was one. And and I think, if I remember, Karuna Ratne did well. He made a, a hundred against India at home, for sure. He had one more hundred, probably against New Zealand in that final series. Correct. And, and, and I think, again, more than a thousand runs in that cycle. I think those were the, the two names that I thought I'd kind of throw out. Even
0: though... This time around Bangladesh were terrible. I still think that there are some individuals who are just very, very good.
1: Yeah, no doubts.
0: And as a team, they just don't deliver. And I think there's another angle of pressure. There is no other team in international cricket, even India, who is under so much pressure from their fans (laughs) like Bangladesh. Even in India, with its intense cricket following there is a little bit of leeway for failure but not in bangladesh right from their board administrators to their coaches to their ex-players to their fans life is very very tough for the players (laughs) enough about those who could not make it to the oval let's talk about the two teams that are there and how they got there
1: All right, so let's obviously start with Australia. Quick summary, 19 games, 10 home, 9 away. They finished with a very impressive 11-3-5 situation finally. And, you know, were runaway toppers off the table. No one came close, not even India. And they did this primarily on the back of those wins that they got at home, 8 out of 10. Of course, they famously won a test in India, which is always a big deal. And then there, there was another game against South Africa, which they could have easily won, but for the weather. And then that famous Pat Cummins led the series against Pakistan. I think that was, if my memory serves me right, that was Cummins' first away tour captaining Australia. Right? And then that kind of started off the so-called Pat Cummins era for Australia. So they have been essentially very, very good. In fact, even the Border Gavaskar trophy, which they played against India at home, very competitive, right? I mean, they didn't have Cameron Green playing in the first couple of tests, so you could argue they didn't have their first eleven really in place. And obviously, they lost. But the third and fourth game, they were super competitive. The third, they won, and the fourth was drawn. So some of their players that came up that came up the ranks as part of this series, Scott Boland was amazing. He was averaging like in the single digits. He was averaging eight or nine after the Ashes, I think. And he had figures of 5 for 10 or some such in one of those games. Correct. Uh, So Scott Boland is clearly, you know, a discovery for them. He's likely to play in the WTC final. Michael Mm Swepson, Leggy, he played in Pakistan. Strangely enough, they didn't play him in India for whatever reason. They played Todd Murphy and Matthew Finneman instead. Todd Murphy, of course, I think will play a a lot for Australia going forward. He was simply brilliant on his debut in India. Matt Kinneman was again there. He did show up quite well though don't know how much he'll play michael Nesser was there as well he played a couple of tests he's been called into the squad for the wtc final though he may not play so that is basically australia for
0: you you want to pick up india real quick sure and before we jump over to india I man the australia away record was 333 what is interesting is i still believe that the first two tests that they lost in india was more to do with the external influences than the internal guys. The Their ex-players, their media just went to town about this, that and everything else and doctored wickets and spin bowling and this and that. That plus the missing Cameron Green and hence the lack of balance,
1: balance.
0: caused a lot of havoc. I thought actually in Delhi, they could have caused a lot of grief, but for the piece of bowling in the morning by Jadeja and Ashwin, where we just routed them. Yeah, exactly. Which was preceded by the batting of Aksar and Jadeja and Ashwin, which got us within a run of them. That match could very easily have gone the other way. So, other way. it is not a surprise that Australia is where they are. And I thought that India was a bit lucky to manage to eke out that win in Delhi. Correct. So, it was a very good series. And I thought perhaps the best series... In the cycle, except for perhaps that fourth test, which was an absolute bore, it reminded me of those old Ferusha Kotla tests when our good friend Sitaram used to provide roads that were fitting for national highways and not for cricket, but Australia was good. India, 10-5-3 in their eighteen test cycle, which was good, but of course... It was deemed to be not good enough by the pundits and the fan base because the expectation is that India should win all, all the tests that they play. The performance in the 2021 20, part of the Patodi Trophy was outstanding. I should have been 3-1. and But for that somewhat dubious decision of batting first at Headingley,
1: mm.
0: I thought that this team looked unbeatable. Yeah, The team then sort of fell off in away games. That failure in South Africa was a bit of a surprise inability to close them out in the fourth innings, the bowling somehow seemed to lack teeth, the quicks didn't come to the party, and Ashwin was not good enough to apply the pressure. Right, The home record was good. Not as good as the previous cycle, but good. I thought the eight points that they lost in their game against New Zealand at Kanpur, wherein they couldn't take the last oh, wicket, yeah, yeah. was going to prove costly and it might have proved costly if some of the other teams had done a little better Right. and the loss in indoor is a grim reminder that sometimes the team struggles against spinners even at home exactly. uh, it was not like Kunerman was bowling absolutely unplayable stuff it's just some sloppy play in the morning session and that was the end of it and we were behind the eight ball all along the away action great start in England in 2021 we looked the part four tests could have been 3-1, was 2-1. Then there was a superb performance on day one on Centurion. Yeah. In fact, the way we batted on day one was ultimately the difference in that game. The, the but then, much
1: hated KL Rahul should be called out. Yeah, no, no. He produced exactly. the performance on both of those series, the day one performances on, on, on both series. Trent Bridge as well as
0: Centurion. Absolutely. I mean, I know KL Rahul is a favorite pinata, if you will. But uh, he batted brilliantly that day, uh, first day in Centurion. But I just never understood how the wheels came off at Wanderers and Newlands. Yeah. Four hundred, fourth innings targets of more than 200 should have been defendable. But no. And the same pattern continued at Edgebaston. Some 375, 378, something like that was the fourth innings target. And, and our bowlers ran uh, dry.
1: Three wickets, correct.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was terrible. And the Mirpur test should have been the end of the road. At 73 for 7, we were in deep trouble. But then Shreyesh, Iyer and Ashwin batted so well to take us through. And that was enough for us to have enough to beat Australia because otherwise we would have gone into the Australia series needing to win 4-0. Yeah. Which would have been too big an ask. Exactly. That... The ear guard action in Mirpur was very, very critical. To me, this was a far more tumultuous cycle for India. We had five captains for the 18 tests. Injury, non-availability, or simply change in captaincy. The entire coaching staff changed, with the exception of the batting coach, which is the department wherein we struggled a lot. The most, indeed. All in all, we had 25 different players
1: featured in 18 tests. Your thoughts? In my opinion... Despite the three bad away games where the bowlers couldn't finish the game, I still feel like we owe more of our success to our bowlers than to our batters. I would agree. Right? Our most successful batter through the series was actually Cheteshwar Pujara, who had 887 runs at only 32. Right? I mean, if you compare that with Usman Paja uh, on the Australian side, I mean, he got nearly double the runs and an average of 70. And that's your contrast sort of right there. And I think the fact that our spinners were fantastic. Ashwin had something to the tune of 61 wickets at an average of nearly 20, 19.7. And of course, Jadeja was fantastic. He had 43 wickets at 23. And then, yeah, Akshar was brilliant as well, at least as far as the home games were concerned. Shami came out with 41 wickets. Siraj was 31 wickets so yeah these guys all substantially overperformed in my book so yeah i think we need to see some batting displays in this final in order to win a couple of debutants well not not all of them are debutants jaydev unadkat was certainly not a debutant he famously played a test in, back in 2010 and then went into oblivion for 13 full years but he had a good game against bangladesh in the solitary game he was given kumar yadav somehow managed to As the old saying goes, take the lift and the shortcut uh, into the Indian 11 ahead of, I would argue, many other deserving players with much better first-class records. But nonetheless, he got a a debut as well. And of course, KS Bharat, who, after having slogged it out in the domestics for a really, really long time, finally got his time under the sun, uh, consequent to those sad set of events uh, that happened to Rishabh Panth. And of course, Sahir, you know, he also got his much-awaited uh, debut in that famous Kanpur test that you were referring to, wasn't? And and he only got that because Kohli was unavailable, decided to take some rest. But hundred on debut, sixteenth Indian to score a hundred uh, on debut. So those were some of the noteworthy performances from an Indian perspective for me. One last thing, I think we may have well seen the end of Ishan Sharma in this WTC cycle. Of course, we don't know this. There's been no announcement from Ishan. There has been no announcement from the PCCI. It's just that one fine morning, we don't see him getting selected. So we are here to guess that he won't be playing for the country anymore. But again, 105 tests. Only the second player after Kapil to play 100 tests. 311 wickets. Very, very credible. So a quick thank you note for Ishan Sharma there.
0: True, true. His son Sharma 2.0 was a much better bowler than Ishan Sharma 1.0. More than 1, no doubts,
1: yeah. I mean, it was like Ishan Sharma in that debut series at Perth against Ricky Ponting. Some other guy for a lot of tests, about 50-odd tests. And then a completely new guy who was averaging 22, 23 and played another 40 to 50 tests. He was delivering numbers like, I don't know, like a Marshall or a or a Dale Stein almost. Um,
0: absolutely, that- I mean, as someone commented, jokerly, the shorter hair and the longer length made all the difference. <laughs> I see.
1: <laughs> Good one. <laughs> so that's my quick two cents on the Indian journey over the last two years into the final.
0: So let's quickly look at the standout performers in the league phase before we start talking about the matchups for the finale. As you pointed out, Usman Khawaja has been absolutely outstanding. Sixteen hundred runs, average of seventy. I think about six centuries. Then Marnas Labushin has been his efficient best. He had 500s. He scored a lot of runs. Smith good... may have struggled a little bit in the Bordegavaskar Trophy, but Steve Smith is Steve Smith. He'll keep on scoring runs in any conditions. He actually did score a few runs for Sussex. Travis Head finally made the cut from being an efficient white ball player to starting to play tests and scoring runs. He had a good series until he was absolutely, inexplicably dropped for the first test in Nagpur, and then he started off playing the Delhi test as if he's going to make a difference, and then one error, and then we swept them under. In the case of India, Panth has been India's best batter. By far. The bad news, he's not playing. Going back to Australia, Cummings. Terrific cycle with the ball. He played only two tests in India, he didn't Take many wickets, he looked a little lost. But India is not necessarily the best place for him to bowl because his style of bowling, which is bowling a little bit length and back of the length, is not what works very well in India. You have to bowl much fuller. He still had, I think, more than 50 wickets or so at some miserly cost in the uh, cycle.
1: 53 Mm -hmm. wickets at
0: 21. uh, Wonderful, yeah. Nathan Lyon, spectacular. He had 80 plus wickets. And he's bowled well everywhere. I thought he was quite effective in India, both in defensive roles and in an attacking role. As regards yeah. bowlers, for us, just Bumrah, and Ravi Ashwin have been the standout bowlers. Bumrah is not playing, and there's every chance that Ashwin will not do so either. So I'm really not sure what really to talk about. The, the Indian players have done well in the cycle because... They may not just feature in the final.
1: They may not even feature, exactly.
0: Yep. And truly, so, the middle order,
1: nobody really stepped up. Not exactly. one person in the middle order is someone we can really speak about as having done well. You could argue, Paul, he bucked the trend by scoring that big daddy 100 in
0: that last test against Australia. Yeah, but there is one daddy 100, right?
1: One daddy 100.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, while we are at it, I think it's time for us to do the matchups between the teams. The we at first.
1: Obviously for India, Gil will open. And while Gil in the WTC or his short test career so far hasn't particularly inspired, I mean, he did make a hundred against Australia, he did make a hundred against Bangladesh. So he's sort of coming to terms with how he can play. Some of his performances in the earlier half were rather iffy. But we did see a completely different Shubman Gill in the IPL, so it's almost like he has, in true Asterix style, drunk some magic potion, and we really hope that's the part that shows up at the Oval Test. So I'm excited about what Gill can do. Rohit Sharma, of course, scored a hundred the last time he played at the Oval, winning cause that to a third innings hundred, very well made hundred, and then of course on the Australian side we have Quaja and Warner. I mean Quaja has been in fantastic form. But we can't say that for Warner. I mean, Warner has a poor record in England to start with. And of course, he didn't particularly show up in India as well. So to me, Warner is that Achilles heel in the Australian top order. They've chosen to play him after a lot of debate. But yeah, I think Warner will be that Achilles heel and something that I would hope the Indian New Ball bowlers can take sort of advantage of. So net-net, if you take this matchup, I would say that the Indian openers are slightly a notch above their australian
0: counterparts i would concur here i mean primarily driven by warner's lack of form or touch mm. i mean he's had five scores above 15 in about 28 attempts in the last two years right and that 100 was a 200 and again there was nothing since big one correct and that sort of drags down whatever Khwaja has been doing on the indian side Gil has not played too many matches, but Gill has been in tremendous touch. Yeah. It is not a white ball, red ball thing. When you see a player batting the way he did, probably doesn't matter whether it's red ball, white ball, who the opposition is. He's going to score runs. Yeah. I'd be very surprised that he'll have a dry match here.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And incidentally, he did have five 50-plus scores in just 13 innings in the cycle. So it's not bad at all. It's not bad, I agree. And Jarmaheel... Uh, I mean, we need him to score, and he is probably the most effective batsman that our team has at this point of time, notwithstanding Virat's performances. That would be my take here about the top Agreed. order. Agree. Now, let's go on to the middle order. India is going to feel the veteran combination of Pujara, Kohli, and Rahane, which means the same 3-4-5 that was there some years ago. India will be missing their first choice, number five, namely Shreyas. And that actually hastened the return of Rahane, thanks to some fiesty innings for the Chennai Super Kings and beating up on some weaker opposition in the Ranji Trophy. Trophy. But more than anything else, it seems to be, there was just really no alternative. In such a game, they probably didn't want to ask Sky to play. And also is not available. And then Safras Khan is too much of a wild card in this case. So there you go. And so Rahane was sort of a forced move. And if he looks in the kind of touch he was in the IPL, that augurs well.
1: Okay. Exactly.
0: So Australia is almost sure to go with the Labushane-Smith head combination. Pretty much. These guys are in great form. Labushane, who along with Pujara had some big scores in the County Division 2. They almost made an equal number of runs, scored 15, half their at-bats. Pujara had 300s for Sussex. Lavushin had 2 for Glamorgan. Right. And so Pujara is looking in great touch in England. And he was the highest run-getter for WTC, even though initially he had some struggles. A
1: in trouble, yeah.
0: And funnily enough, I think Pujara struggles more in India than other places. Yeah. So hurts. this might just work for him. Labushen, I mean, this guy has been batting like a dream for two years. And he's a very complete batsman. I thought at during the BGT, he looked very accomplished, able to play anything that was thrown at him. Very smart cricketer. Both of these guys, Labushen and Pujara, are going to benefit from wickets that may not spin as much and give them some pounds. Virat and Smith were below their best in the BGT. Virat's, Virat's numbers look very good on that big 180 plus in Ahmedabad. Smith outperformed Virat in the last two years cycle. But to me, with these guys, it really doesn't matter. It's just more about the recent form. These guys are champions. I thought Kohli looked an imperious touch during the IPL. Those yeah. whip drives through the onside, those cover drives with the face open, everything seems to have come back. Smith is looking in his usual good self. So to me, these guys will score. I mean, the opponents will have a tough time getting their wickets. And should either of them or should both of them score, they should take care of anything that their team needs. Where I think India has a big hole here is the return of Rahane. Now, if Rahane does score, it'll be great. But Rahane has had a very average red ball season over the years his record in england has been very poor for many a year and he's really not your first choice but the flip side is rahane probably knows very well that there's nothing to lose a very good performance here would get him on the plane to west indies ahead of some of the younger challengers absolutely unless he was told that this is a one-off which is unlikely though
1: which is unlikely yeah
0: australia will play travis head he's been in good form He was a factor in their resurgence in the second half also. So,
1: yep, your thoughts? I think you covered what I wanted to say about Rahane, right? I mean, 729 runs in 15 tests in England at 26. That doesn't give you a lot of confidence. But yet here he is because there are clearly not enough other options that could actually bat at number five in the absence of Shreyas again. But we do gain a good slip feeder, which I kind of think, looking at the (laughs) silver lining here. Overall, that middle order is literally the Achilles heel of this team. Pujara plus Dart plus Rahane. I mean, all we can do is basically hope Pujara is coming on the back of, like you said, some good form for Sussex. We can only pray that he can translate it into this game. Same with Kohli. He was in imperious form in the IPL. Prior to that, he had this wonderful game against Australia in the last test. Yeah, so hopefully he can convert this into runs in some way. But we really need at least two of these these three to succeed to make a match of it.
0: I think the advantage is with Australia here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they. I mean, just look at their numbers. In the WTC cycle, Labo Smith, and Head, all three average 50 and above.
1: Oh, by the way, uh, Stephen Smith averages 97 at the Oval. Is it? Okay. <laughs> No. Yeah, see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah between these three guys they have 11 hundreds
1: in the cycle alone
0: in the cycle alone and 17 other 50 plus scores in contrast are three middle order players they average 33 32 and 19 Correct. in the cycle 200s and about 11 other 50 plus scores this is looking like a no contest as far as the performance over the last two years is concerned. At this point of time, I think all we have to hope is one certain Virat Kohli has suddenly discovered that magic password that he had forgotten and is back to what he was like back before 2019. Effectively. yep. So let's go to the next category of matchups, which is the keeper bats. This is, an, is a no contest. After our talismanic Rishabh Pant met with a horrific accident on New Year's Day, things have been very, very tough for Team India. We've lost probably the most important player in the middle order. The balance of the team has been short. And what we have here is KS Bharat has played all of four tests. Ishan Kishan has not played any tests. Both of them have a similar first-class record with about 30-ish as their yeah, batting ab- average.
1: Pretty much, yeah. Uh,
0: Bharat has no 50s, no 100s, nothing. But to be fair to him, he played in that Border Gavaskar series where runs were hard to come by. Uh, Alex Kerry played all 19 tests of the WTC cycle for Australia.
1: For Australia.
0: Mm. He scored more than a 1,000 runs. He scored a 100, a few 50s. He... Brought up an average of 31. He's got something like 62 dismissals in these tests. Bharat has all of eight. So this is a no contest here. So your thoughts?
1: Like you, I'm focusing on Bharat as well. I don't see a case for Ishan Kishan to be given a debut. I saw something interesting from Ravi Shastri in some panel where he basically said, well, if India decides to play two spinners, then you should play Bharat. If India plays only one spinner, then you should give the cap to Ishan Kishan. I uh, was his opinion. I don't know where that comes from.
0: I, I think I have an idea, because if India is going to play two spinners, you have deeper batting. You have deeper batting with us. So we don't need to rely on Ishan Kishan's supposedly better batting than K.S.B. Yeah,
1: but Ishan Kishan having, as you say, supposedly better batting is also a question mark, right? I mean, he may have gotten 500 plus runs in the IPL, which is Fair enough, impressive, but again, we are talking red ball cricket here, and he's
0: completely untested. And you I'm with talk- you there. I mean, it's not about parking your front foot forward and then t- swinging and then through the line there. and yeah. getting the ball over the infield.
1: Okay. Yeah. So Bharat it is. I mean, for all his shortcomings, he's got to play, and yeah, from a matchup perspective, Alex Carey is ahead.
0: Let's go to the all-rounders. Two of the best players in the game, Ravindra Jadeja and Cameron Green. And- yeah, Janeja missed quite a few tests because of a variety of injuries. Yeah. But still, average 37, has a couple of hundreds. Green averages 39, 100, 550s. Both of them bat very well. but Both of them are capable of swinging the ball in favor of their team with the ball. And to me, these are the linchpins for the two teams. Janeja is a better bowler than Cam Green one could say. But that said, it's all about the conditions. Now, if the conditions are going to be more in favor of seam bowling, then perhaps Green is going to edge Jadeja out as the bowler. Right. Otherwise, it's Jadeja all the way. So this is an even matchup and I think it could be anybody. But yeah, both of these last... guys are yeah. critical.
1: Well, no, I think both of them provide that balance to the team that they would otherwise lack, right? Jadeja... Also, remember, the, the last test that we played in at Bastion, had uh, 100. So he is comfortable batting in England. And given where we are with the middle order, everything we discussed, the contribution Jarija will make with the bat, I think, will be super important. And of course, Green is, again, he's also coming off of 100 in India, in the last test. So they're both in good time. I'm very excited to see this matchup. Jadija, is he number one all-rounder on the ICC rankings right now?
0: Yeah, Probably probably uh, yeah. but yeah uh, i mean they are both right up there i mean very very skilled a little nugget about ravindra jadeja many of us remember the 2014 test where we beat england thanks to ajinkya rahane and, and ishan yeah. sharma right yeah but what was not noticed in all of that was a very very entertaining 62 by jadeja in that game That actually set up a second-ring target for us to beat. And that was very, very important. Absolutely. I remember. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So he has a history of playing well in England. Absolutely does. And and like I said a little uh, just before this, right? A hundred in the h test. And of course, who can forget his role in that famous uh, test match uh, at the Oval, which we won as well. Anyway, uh, bowlers. So I think Australia has a little bit of a setback with Josh Hazelwood not being available. I think he's kind of sort of fade, but they don't want to take a chance, and they prefer to have him available for the Ashes, so they're preferring to sit him down for this game. I think Scott Boland will play ahead of Michael Nesser. So the Australian bowling choice is likely to be Stark, Cummins, Lyon, and Boland. So they'll do only these four, and Cameron Greens, we just discussed the all-rounders, will back up as the fifth bowling option. So that's what it's looking like. And all of these guys have a pretty good story to tell as far as England is concerned. Boland has not played in England in the past, so we'll see how that goes. But Stark, Cummins, uh, Lyon have all bowled in England before this. On the Indian side, this is going to be really interesting. The fact that Boomerah is not around will hurt us. There's no two thoughts about it. I mean, Boomrah and Pant were by far the two very, very strong uh, players that we will be missing. But as it turns out, I think Shami and Siraj are going to be available and they will both play. And then for the other two bowling slots, you basically have this option of playing two of Ashwin, Umesh, and Shardul Takur. So that's how it's going to look like if, they, if the management decides to play the additional spinner. Ashwin gets in, Umesh sits out with Shardul Takur being the third player. And if they decide that they need the four-pace bowlers, then Ashwin will sit out and Umesh uh, will get in. That's how I kind of see this. I do think there is a really, really good case for Ashwin to play ahead of this possible fourth-pacer, which would be Umesh Yadav for me. reason I say that is simply because Ashwin has this psychological advantage against Stephen Smith. Like I said a little before, Stephen Smith also has an average of 97 at the Oval. And any, any edge you can get, we will take right? 61 wickets at close to 20 is what Ashwin has done coming in into the series. And again, there's this argument to be made that of all the pitches that we have in England, perhaps the Oval is going to be the most uh, spin-friendly of them all. So all of these are good reasons to perhaps play Ashwin, and then you, you get something a little bit with a pat as well. So that is what I'm hoping they do. But that said, given no Bumrah, given this whole question mark between will or will not Ashwin play Australians having a pretty settled bowling attack, I am going to give the edge to the Australians as far as the bowling is concerned.
0: Thoughts? Yeah, I'm with you. Australia, because of their more settled bowling attack, even though they're going to play four bowlers, Cam Green is a pretty good bowler himself. So I think they do have a bit of an advantage here. And I do think this whole debate about 4-1 and 3-2, the combination, yeah. the confusion, is not very good for India. And also, it's been very dry and hot in England. Yeah. And looking at the forecast, there doesn't seem to be much rain, unlike, say, Southampton, a couple of years ago, okay. wherein they were playing on a dark, overcast, sort of muggy environment, Looks like it's gonna be bright and sunny in the first couple of days. There's gonna be a little bit of rain on day three, four, five. So perhaps that might be something that might tempt the team management to play Ashwin. There's another name that's been floating around. Know, there is some talk that Jayadevunat cut might be challenging for a place against Umesh, over Umesh. Hmm. This whole left arm over variety. And uh, Onatkat is a little Mm -hmm. tighter than Umesh. Umesh has a tendency to leak runs. For sure. And uh, Onatkat with a little bit of his back-of-the-length bowling, and he's a smart guy. So, and if they're going to play Shardul to swing the ball, Onatkat also swings the ball and he can bowl his back-of-the-length stuff. And throw in the variety, that might just be a good thing. Mm. So there is a school of thought saying that Onatkat might be in the mix. Yeah. But India's team management has been keeping things very close to their yeah. chest. There's no indication. I have not seen any reports about who's been batting and bowling in the nets, except that Yashasvi yeah. Jaiswal has been batting. Who's the one guy who's not going to play for sure? Okay, yeah, exactly. so we don't know. So, so yes, yeah. with regards to the bowling, I think uh, Australia do have an
1: advantage. But I did realize there's another point I should have made regarding Shardul Thakur. The last time we played a test at the Oval, Shardul Thakur twin 50s, both first and second innings, was one of the architects of that win. Yeah, Uh, he was, he was. Right? So, So that will be weighing on the team management as well, particularly with this fragile middle order. And if I'm not wrong, chasing the fourth innings, England was basically 100 for no loss. With both Rory Burns and uh, Hamid, right? His name? Correct. They were, uh, they were 100 for no loss, and it was Lord Thakur who broke open uh, that partnership. Then from 100 for
0: no loss, England was basically 210 all out. Correct. Thakur, he's not <laughs> going to give up. He's going to keep yeah. on coming at them. He's not easily faced by a tough situation. Yeah. And but the so, point that you make about Unhat
1: I mean, there could be, a, even need not be in the race as the fourth pacer he could be in the race as the third pacer even ahead of Shadul Thakur. you know given the left arm variety here of course i'm assuming mm-hmm. that Ashwin's locked in at the number 8 that's an option too so uh, these guys have a lot of options in front of them yeah. to work
0: out no my my take is that they may not play takur and umesh in the same 11 because hmm. umesh has a tendency to leak runs and so does yes. takur having yes. Two guys who are going to leak runs, which means any which means any smart opposition will just play out Shami and Siraj and take these two guys on. On, exactly. Fine. There's a bit of an unknown commodity to everyone. Plus the uh, uh, left-arm variety. The left-arm variety. I can see why there is some interest in not cut being the third-seamer ahead of Umesh. My 11 is, I actually think that they're going to go with 4-1. Okay.
1: They'll go with four one. Okay. My
0: just as much as I think Ashwin is a fantastic bowler and he truly deserves a place in any playing level. Again, it's England. It's gonna be seam bowling. And there is no panth, which means there is no question of taking any chance with Jadeja not playing who anyway should be the first name in any playing level, no, any yeah. format. first yeah, And more importantly, Bharat or Kishan, neither of them can bat like Pant. Okay. So we are going to win by pricing out wickets. And the people are more likely to get the wickets are the seamers. So I think they're going to go with four seamers. And to me, the four are going to be Thakur, Unadkat, Shami and Siraj. Mm. And then the rest of the guys pick themselves uh, yes, Barat over Kishan.
1: Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I think if, if they go the 4-1 way, I think that's what is going to happen. And if that does happen, we may not see Umesh Yadav play test match cricket after this in WTC3. I mean, remember, Umesh is actually older than Ishan Sharma, who we just retired in the earlier part of
0: the podcast. Yeah, we did. I mean, I think Umesh will reappear in the home series against England.
1: Yeah. You think so, okay.
0: Yeah, he'll appear, reappear in the home season. Five tests, somebody or the other will break down. Yeah, and there'll be some rotation. And there. they'll have to do some rotation, so he'll reappear then. I have not seen any other junior, young, Indian quick come through. If it's a 4-1, I agree with your squad.
1: If it's a 3-2, I think Unutkart will not play and Ashwin will play instead. That's the only thing I can think of. The Australian team is very much an open and shut case. Super easy. Three fast bowlers, one spinner. Cameron Green as all-rounder, Alex Carey as keeper,
0: top five backs. That's- so, if you're Rohit Sharma and you win the toss, what would you do? You bat. I'm with you. bat back, back first. And, and definitely given the weather conditions and whatever you heard, there's no morning rain. My final view, my preview verdict, just as much as it hurts me as a Team India fan, I think Australia is a slight favourite for the game. Now, however, given the excellence of the players in the fray, it's obvious that any one team could just have a great day. All it takes is Virat Kohli to live Adelaide 2014 or Rohit Sharma do a reprise of Chennai 2021. So it would be foolhardy to suggest that anybody is a strong favourite. But I think on paper, paper, Australia.
1: Yeah. On paper, Australia. And, and, and funnily enough, the last four seasons, the four times that these two teams have phased off, it's India who's won. But they had the advantage of a series and back-to-back games. This is a bit of a shootout. One mm-hmm. test match, you do what you can. It'll be sad if Australia wins this finally. Possibly on the back of a stronger team, no doubts. But for India to basically say, well, I won the last four series, both home and away, And here I am losing the most important game of it all. I just hope it doesn't come down to that as an India fan. (laughs) Yes. All right. So with that, I guess that's all we have for uh, the evening.
0: Yep. Thank you for listening in. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Cricket with the West Coast Infidels podcast. Our regular hosts, uh, Vijay Ram and myself, Asanth, today we are shorthanded. Next episode, it'll all obviously be about who won the maze and how. Thank you, everyone. Bye.
1: Thank you, everyone.